my prayer is just, Lord, that you would just uh, allow me to be able to speak your truth with grace. And Lord, I just pray that today will be the day of someone's salvation. And Lord, I pray that the saints may be encouraged. All this we pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Today I will be... Um... Are you here? I'm good. Oh, all right. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Um, our ushers or our pastor will uh, bring you a Bible. Also, um, here we ask questions. If you have a question or you need some type of clarity, um, if you think it would be beneficial to what um, I'm preaching today, feel free to uh, raise your hand and ask a question. Are we ready? For the Bible. Oh, for the Bible. All right. Today I will be reading from Luke, the 19th chapter. Verse 1 through 10. And it says, He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defraud anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Since he, lost, since, all, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Amen? Amen. The reason I chose this passage today was because of this uh, familiarity. It's a passage that comes with the soundtrack. It was even just recently sang by President Barack Obama at the eulogy of Reverend Clementa Pickney, a victim of the South Carolina Charleston Church shootings. How many of you are familiar with this song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, that saved a what? Like me. I was lost, but now I'm found. Amen. Today, we will read about a wretched man. In fact, he was the most wretched of the wretched. In our day, we will call this man Ratchet. <laughs> ratchet being a term that refers to somebody that's unruly, nasty, trifling, whose life could be said is generally off the chain. 
is a person that we, could, we wouldn't desire to be associated with, but is exactly the kind of person that Jesus came to save. Amen. In fact, that's the second reason I chose this scripture today, and that's because in this passage it contains one of the most amazing truths in the Bible, and that truth is Jesus has come to save the wretched, or as scripture puts it, the lost. And we find this glorious truth in verse 10 of our chapter today. Now, typically, when we preach, we kind of go from the beginning to the end. But I just wanted to jump to the end because that's where the good news is. That is the main theme of my my sermon or my talk with you today. And that is Jesus has come to seek and save the lost. If you don't get anything else uh, for the next two hours, <laughs> I'm joking. If you don't get anything else out of the scripture, I pray that you get it and you understand the fact that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And so verse 10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. The Son of Man is Jesus. And as we go through this chapter, we're going to find more, we're going to find out more and more who Jesus is. My question for you today is this: Who is Jesus? And what's the point of him coming, right? Now, I kind of gave you the answer already, right? He came to seek and save the what? Lost. But what do you think, when you think of Jesus, what do you think our community think when they think of Jesus? In other words, my question to you is, what is word on the streets about who Jesus is? You see, this is a question that Jesus asked his disciples. You know, Jesus was ministering to the people. He was loving them. He was caring for them. He was doing miracles. He was forgiving sins. Um, He was teaching with a level of depth that nobody had ever taught before, taught with before. And so Jesus goes to to his disciples and say, who is it that they say the son of man is? In other words, again, what are the people saying about me? After all the wonderful things that he has done, right? He was asking, what are they saying? And so when you go to Matthew, uh, what is that? Matthew 16, verse 13 through 19, you don't have to go there. You could write it down and reference it later. But um, they said, basically, they gave him a whole list of prophets, Right? They said, um, people are saying you're John the Baptist. People are saying you're Jeremiah. People are saying that you are uh, Nehemiah. In other words, they were saying that Jesus was a prophet. You know? And in saying so, they were giving Jesus some props, right? Because to them, you know, the prophets were great men. They were men that spoke on behalf of God. And so when they said this, they wasn't dissing Jesus. But was that who Jesus was? You see, the people saw that Jesus wasn't just an ordinary man. Again, they watched him heal the sick. They heard him teach with a level of depth, of understanding. 
They gave him props and they even gave him some praise. They even gave him prophet status, but still were blind to who Jesus was. Much like today, the world is blind to who Jesus is. Right? We hear the stories of Jesus. Right? And many people will put Jesus on their top ten list of most influential people. Right? They will say Jesus is a great teacher who came to teach us how to love. Jesus was a good man who modeled how we should live. And some would say Jesus is a liberator who came to liberate us from oppression. In our community, and, and just to say this, like all these things, they're not disses, right? And there's some truth to it, right? Jesus, right, was the example of love, right? He loved like no one else had ever loved on this earth before. He loved people perfectly, and he showed us how we should love. So he was a model. And when it comes to liberating uh, from oppression, right, not if the thing, the reality of it is, is the thing that we need liberating for more than anything is not earthly oppression, but is spiritual oppression, the bondage of sin. And so he is a liberator, so there's kind of some truth about reach for it. I'd give him that a little bit. And in our community, Jesus is seen through the lenses of our plight. As an African-American, when we, when we oftentimes speak of Jesus and who he is, it's through the lenses of our hardship in this country. And so we, we see Jesus as someone who, um, we see Jesus, we see the prosperity Jesus, right? That Jesus that came to give us life and give us life more abundantly. And, it, and, and, and some people would interpret that as health and wealth. He came to give us prosperity. Some people would say Jesus is uh, a liberator, right? And they would say salvation is liberation, right? That Jesus is simply on the side of those who are struggling to be free. That's in our community. And, and the problem is, oftentimes, we in this church, because we love us some Detroit, yeah. we love us some 48214, yeah. and when we hear people speak of Jesus, it's so easy to kind of somewhat get caught up in what they're talking about, right? It's because we want to pursue justice and we want to pursue righteousness and we want to care for people and we want to bring resources into the community, right? And we want to be about seeing our community change both physically and spiritually, right? We're all about these things. And what we have to be mindful is that oftentimes people have these very low view of Jesus. And what we want to do is we want to bring them up. We want to raise up that view. And so, in fact, I love this quote by Matthew Henry. He says, it is possible for men to have, a, have good thoughts of Christ and yet not right. You hear that? It's possible for men to have good thoughts of Christ and yet not right ones. A high opinion of him and yet high enough. 
You see, the thing is, it's not just uh, it's good enough to have just a, a, an affection for Christ. All right. If you can, all right, I don't want to be that mean preacher, but let's try to cut down some of this traffic, all right? Amen. Come on, but hit sin a little harder than you know. Um, but then, so Peter asked the disciple, well, who, what the world is saying about him? And they told him. And then he turned to his disciples, those who are in Jesus' inner circle, and he looked and said, who do you say that I am? Right? Amen. Now it's not about what the world is saying, what they're saying on the streets. Now it's about who, well, who do you say that I am? You who are in my inner circle. You who I have poured into. Who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ the son of the living God. You see, this answer from Peter was both correct and extraordinarily high. Amen. It was correct in the fact that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the promised one. Amen. He is the one that came to save us. Amen. He is our savior. He is the anointed prophet that came to this earth to teach us what God's will was and what is salvation. He is the anointed priest that came to this earth. And when we talk about love, his love was a sacrificial love because he left heaven, came to earth, took flesh where he had to endure the suffering and miseries that we have to face. You know, as I'm preaching today, my heart is heavy because you heard about uh, Marilyn Weathersby. She's my wife who just loved, who just lost her brother. And, 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 and as I look through the scripture, I see that Jesus experienced that same loss. Right? And you see, that's, he, he didn't have to experience that. But on our behalf, he was that sacral that sacrificial priest, that anointed priest that will come, that will suffer, that will sacrifice that beautiful life for wretched sins. Sinners like us. For wretched sinners like us. That's who Jesus is. And he is the anointed king. Hallelujah. Who is ruling in the hearts of his people and one day he will return and rule Deserve and restore it and make it all new, new. And we, his people, those who have been found, will be ruling with him. Oh, I praise the day when he will end sorrow, where there will be a funeral for our tears, there will be a funeral for our pain, there will be a funeral for our suffering. That's the Jesus. That's the real Jesus. And you know what? We can't make a Jesus up like this. That's the beautiful thing about God. You just can't make him up. All these religions, they try to figure out these things of what is love and who is Jesus and, and all these things and it's all work-based and it's just like we're going to earn our way to God. It's our love that's going to save us. Mm. 
as if we can just live and do whatever we want and then on the day of judgment go into God's office and slam our, our, our resume on the desk and say, here you go, I'll pick my works. I'm not, I know you're quite familiar with me and all the things I did. But boy, we don't understand how jacked up our love is. We don't understand the depth of our, our wretchedness. Oftentimes, people will say, yeah, I'm a sinner. Yeah, you know, we all sinners. Like, we all, it's all good. And it's almost like we, we look at it like the greatest system, right? C is average. B is good, right? And so we go, hey, we good, but God is looking for A. He's looking for excellence, Amen. and none of us measure. Amen. Now, you're probably like, wait a minute, this is praise in the park. <laughs> like, you're coming a little hard. <laughs> but I'm a preacher of the good news. Amen. 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 But the thing is, sometimes we got to, we're kind of prideful, and we got to, you know, we, we don't think our breath stink in the morning. And so it's hard. And sometimes we got to be hit with the realization of who we are. And so, why are we lost? What is it to be lost? Well, that word lost means to be ruined, destroyed. So Jesus came to seek and save those who are ruined and destroyed. And what ruined us, what destroyed us, can anybody answer that? Sin. Now, a short definition of sin is lawlessness, right? That we don't obey God. We uh, we don't submit to his authority. But I want to kind of flush that out for a little bit. You see, first of all, sin is rejecting or ignoring God in the world he created. Sin is rebelling against him by living without reference to him. Sin is not being or doing what he requires in his law. Now, oftentimes when we talk about God's law, it, it gets a bad rep because we, we kind of look at his laws as don't do this, don't have sex before marriage, don't steal, don't covet, don't do this. Right? We, we feel like it's just kind of like uh, God is the no joy God. He is the no fun God. But to understand God's law is to understand his love. You see, God created us, and he created us out of an abundance of his love. He didn't need us, right? He was perfectly content within himself. The beautiful trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, right? Three persons, one being. And he had perfect fellowship amongst themselves. But God and his grace and his love and his kindness decided to, he wanted to create us so that we will be the beneficiaries of his love. Amen. Right? I, I love uh, the Westminster Catechism. It was the first thing that I taught my boys. It was man's primary purpose is to love God, right? 
is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. I love that definition because we all hear like, man, we got to submit to God. But how often do you hear that we are made to enjoy God? And so his laws, right, when we look at it from uh, the perspective of that Christ gave us, remember that beautiful Jesus was the one to teach like no one else ever taught before. And what he taught, right, and he summed up the law in two commandments and it was first, Love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Remember what I said. Sin is rejecting and ignoring God and the world he created. And so when we reject him, we are rejecting his love. We are not living for him. That's sin. Sin is to not love the Lord with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, that everything about you is about him, that your life is a God-centered life. Sin is when we live our self-centered life, where we're looking for our own glory. We want that career, right, to 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 find validation, right? We want to make money so we can find happiness and treasure. That's what sin is. Sin is trying to live without God, right? Sin is not recognizing his purpose for your life. The fact that he created you to be his representatives on this earth, to love each other, to take care of the, uh, of the creation, to be his rulers. He wanted to look down from heaven and see us loving each other the same way that he loves us and expanding his glory throughout the world, being fruitful and multiplying. You know what's funny, as we talk about Jesus and we talk about liberation Jesus, oftentimes my people, you know, African-Americans, I love them, I love my people. But sometimes, you know, we have this teaching where it's like, yo, we are kings and queens. They took us from Africa and that's when we was kings and queens. And I was like, I don't know, kind of lame if you got beat down like that and brought here. But the reality of it is this. God's purpose for the African, his purpose for the African-American, for the Jew, for the Irish, is the fact that he wanted us all to be kings and queens. So I don't know what my ancestors were in Africa. But right now, I know I'm a king. I'm a son of the most high God. And when I reject that purpose to try to make my own kingdom, that's sin. Sin is not loving like God. Once again, we, we look at the law and we go, eh, the do's and the don'ts, right? And then what we do is we have our own standards of love, right? When you, when you think about it, what is the first thing people say they say, you gotta learn how to love yourself before you can love anybody else. We divorce because, you know, you gotta love yourself. You gotta be happy. Right? But God says that's not love. Love is sacrificial. Love is to him and to your neighbor. The problem is, is that we love ourselves. Right? And when we love ourselves, we stop human flourishing. Because everybody can't love themselves and flourish at the same time. Amen? Amen. 
it's just impossible. Everybody can't have their come up and love each other at the same time. It's impossible. And when you look at God's laws, right, the beautiful thing of it is God's laws represents his character. It teaches us about him. When you look at the Ten Commandments, yeah, you can look at it as a bunch of don'ts, but we need to start looking at it as a bunch of do and a bunch of do you. When it says, I shall not covet, God is saying, look, I got you. I take care of you. I provide for you. I love you. That's why you shouldn't covet. He says, don't commit adultery. God says, look, I created marriage. I created families. I created in a way where it was a mother and a father, married, raising up godly kids. This is human flourishing. I don't want you to uh, indulge in sex out of wedlock because that brings death. I gave you a wife or I gave you a husband. Because I love you and I love your neighbor and leave his wife alone. That I should not steal. Don't steal for you. Love your neighbor. Don't take his name. Don't, 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 don't lie on him, right? And I could go on and go on and go on. But you see what I'm saying? It's easy to just look at the laws as a bunch of don'ts and then just dismiss it as God being the no fun guy. But it's a lot more difficult to look at those laws and hold the laws to your life and say, do I love like these laws commanded me? Love is a commandment. And see, here's the thing. We all fall short of the glory of God. None of us love that way. We come out and we say we go through our terrible twos. No, we go through a terrible life. Right? goes way beyond, too. Matter of fact, in the womb, right? I love babies, but they're the most precious little balls of sense. <laughs> Don't let you see or nothing. And the end result is our death. The wages of sin is death. First, a physical death. We lose our lives. We die. Death is the most unnatural thing. Because we were created to live forever. Fame. I don't know why it just popped in my head. That's a whole age show. Right? We were supposed to live forever, but now we die. Eternal death. Like or spiritual death. We are cut off from God. We are lost. We lost our fellowship. We lost our life. Our lives are ruined by sin. We lost our fellowship with God, right? Our fellowship with God is ruined because of sin. And then we're going to pay the ultimate price of sin, which is eternal damnation, hell. To spend eternity, eternity, eternity suffering consciously. Now, here's the thing. People will go, well, if God is love, why would he punish you like that? But you got to understand, right? If I was to, like... The higher the, uh, when you sin or you break the law, the higher the authority, the greater the consequence. You see, if I lie to my son, uh, he can't really do that much to me. If I lie to my wife, there's, you know, a little more that she can do. <laughs> if I lie to the grand jury, they can put me in jail. Right? You see, the higher the authority, the greater 
the consequences for breaking the law. So when you break the law of the most high God, the eternal God, when you live a life of hate and, and, and just rebelling and bawling your fist to him, the fact is, you reject his love, you probably don't want to spend eternity with them anyway. But the reality of it is, sin brings death. But you know what? I'm glad I'm kind of through that part because now I get to talk about the good news. The good news. You see, God is good, right? God is love, right? But then he's also holy. He's, he's not like us. He, his love is not like us, right? He's other than, right? And everything he does, his holiness, it just goes through everything he does. Everything he is, is just so different from us. He's like your mama had white carpet, right? You're not gonna just go in there with your dirty shoes on and mess up her carpet. When I was growing up, we had a room in the house that nobody could go in. <laughs> How many of you had a mama like that? How many are you? How many of you are a mama like that? Amen? So God is holy. And once again, he just, you just can't do what you want to do and think you're going to just be okay. Because then that makes God a punk, and he's far from being a punk. Amen. And he's just. Right? We say black lives matter. We say, you know, we get upset when a, a cop, you know, kills someone. Why? Because that's unjust. And we want to see justice. And what happens when they don't, when we don't see justice? We, 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 it's, 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 it pains us. We say, that's not right. But would you say that? So what is different from God? Right? It is right for him to punish us as he sees fit. So he's holy, he's just, but here's the beautiful thing. His mercy is also holy. And, and it was by God, Ephesians 2, 4 through 5, it says, But God being rich in mercy because of the great love of which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. You see, the reality of it is God loves and he doesn't hold any love from us. Did you hear me? God doesn't hold any love from us. Right? And he sent his son. That was the ultimate act of love, to sacrifice his son. And the ultimate act of love is for Jesus to come, to suffer. But the beautiful thing is, is when he came, he lived this life that we couldn't live. He obeyed the law to a perfection. And then he laid that beautiful down, that beautiful law down for us. And in this doing so, he sacrificed, he paid the price so that we wouldn't have to pay it. Just think about that. On that cross, we oftentimes think about the physical, right, the pain. Like it had to be, had to be painful. But God, but Jesus, who spent eternity with God at that moment, God turned his back on his son and treated him as if he was us. And Jesus had to feel the, he had to endure the full wrath of God. People preach that Jesus was created. First of all, created man couldn't endure that. Mm -hmm. You have to be God. Mm -hmm. And he 
endured that on a cross. What would took us an eternity to pay for, he did it in a matter of hours. Our consequences. And then he defeated death. He rose again and God was pleased because now, now the debt was paid. Right? And that's beautiful. And now we have forgiveness. And now we could be reconciled with our Father. And the beautiful thing about it is, is, is it wasn't a work on our parts. How sad it is that so many people in every religion, right, has one thing in common. Somehow they're trying to work their way into salvation. They're trying to work their way. But Jesus says, I did it all. Amen. And the first words recorded in Scripture as far as Jesus' ministry was, repent and believe the good news. And so we're going to be talking about that. Now, I spent a lot of time on that. And so now I'm going to kind of just flow through the sermon. Well, not the sermon. This is all been a sermon. But the rest of the text. All right, so we go back to Luke 19. And there, right, we have this, this dude named Zacchaeus. And this is that wretched dude that I was telling you about. Zacchaeus was uh, a tax collector, right? How many of us like tax collectors? How many are joyful to get that call from the IRS, right? Now, the thing about us, we kind of have a love-hate relationship with the IRS. Like, we hate them during the year, right? But when we get that refund, right, we rip it and nay-nay all the way to the mall. <laughs> now, some of us don't get that refund, so you kind of like, I don't know what you're talking about. I still hate them. Right? But Matthew <laughs> said, right? And so he's a tax collector, he's a trader to his people. Now we don't look at our IRS as traders, but in this time, the tax collector was considered a trader because at this time uh, Israel was under great oppression by the Roman government. And they hated it. They hated that this Roman government right, were lording over them, these pagan, these idolaters, right, and then they're taking our money, right, we got to pay them taxes, but what Rome did was they basically would sell the right to go collect taxes, and so a tax collector was somebody that went and bought a franchise, right, bought the right to collect taxes, so Rome would say, all right, so they owe me $500, the tax collector will go to his own people, right? His own people as a representative of the government they hate and then put this great financial hardship on them. And so it would be crazy. So Rome says 500. The tax collector would say, hey, you owe a thousand, right? So they can give Rome their money and then cash in. But not only that, They'll make up laws. So you got a mill and you got a cart and you got some goods. They're going to tax every part of that, right? They're going to tax the wheels. They're going to tax the axle. They're going to tax what's in the cart. They're going to tax the cart. They're going to tax the donkey, right? And it was just ridiculous. And the people hated them. They were traitors. And so this was the Enos, and he was like the chief one, right? He was up here. This wretched man. What kind of man just plays his people out like that? Right? For money. 
are rich. And then scripture says, so, but then we find that Jesus is come. Oh, he was rich. And then we find Jesus coming through Jerusalem, coming through Jericho on his way to Jerusalem for a family reunion, the Passover, right? They all had on their Abraham t-shirts with the face on them. <laughs> but he was going through Jericho, and it was a big crowd, so Passover is already crowded. And so now you've got uh, people following Jesus, because I think he had just raised up Lazarus, and so they're like, yo, this Jesus, right? He must be our deliverer, right? That's how they was looking at Jesus. And so the scripture says, Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. But the problem was he was short, like a short mean dude, right? And so he's in the crowd, and he looks up, and he just see the back of people's heads, and he looks down and down, and he just see bodies, and now you got this little dude trying to go through the crowd and kind of get to the edge like a kid doing a Thanksgiving parade trying to find Santa Claus, right? But he was with no avail, because no one likes him, so they probably shown that wasn't going to move to the side. He probably like, excuse me, oh, oh. No, nope. But he was desperate to see who Jesus was, and I believe he was the only one there that really wanted to see who Jesus was. And so what he do is he sprints towards the end, and I don't know how long this sprint was, but he sprints to the end, and he was just like, I'm going to go to the end, and I'm going to wait for Jesus to pass. So he gets to the end, and then you know he's short, so then climbs up in the tree. Now, Jesus came to seek and save the what? He came to seek. And so as Zacchaeus is in this tree, Jesus comes through. Now, everything I just said, it sounds like Zacchaeus is doing the one seeking, right? But scripture says, Jesus came to the place and he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, Hurry, come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. This was, this was, this day was sovereign. It was providential, right? It was Jesus, the way that he took to get there, the pace that he walked, the timing, the everything, right? Jesus was coming to save Zacchaeus. And so he looks up there and he says, Zacchaeus, I don't know how he would deliver that. He might have said, Zacchaeus, right? <laughs> and Zacchaeus joyfully comes down. Man, when you see Jesus for who he is and that's, he's a loving savior, you joyfully received him. And that's what he did. He joyfully went down. And when he went down, not only did Jesus say, come to me, he was just like, hey, I want to go to your crib. I want to go to your house, right? And Zacchaeus was like, cool, think about it. Zacchaeus, he couldn't go to the synagogue. Nobody wanted to be his friend, right? He was a traitor amongst traitors, right? He had no friends. The only people he could hang out with maybe the other people whose society cast away, the prostitutes, the sick. You say, why the sick? Because in that day, if you were sick, you must have sinned. And if you sinned, you're a sinner, and I holler, right? That's the only people. So for Jesus to say, I'm going to come to your house? Now, this is a joyful moment, but do you think the crowd was joyful? No, they just looked and were just like, who is this dude, this man that would go 
to the house of a sinner. You see that self-righteousness. You know, they were so righteous, right? This is how right self-righteous they were. They see Jesus doing all type of miracles, all type of great acts, and at that moment they go, who, 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 is, who is he? Why does he do that? I thought he was righteous. I thought he was pure. I thought he was all holy and stuff. Look at him, right? We get that today. You're a Christian. You do something out of order. The first thing people say, oh, you call yourself a Christian, <laughs> right? But they were the self-righteous. This crowd was so self-righteous. And you see, the thing I don't want you to get, because it's easy to see the simple person, the person that's ratchet. Like, the difference between the ratchet person, maybe, is they kind of just let the whole world know who they are. All right? But us self-righteous folk, right? We got our morals. We got our principles. We got our crowds. We hang in the crowds that's going to validate our self-righteousness. So we're going to hang in those conservative crowds, right? Because we are moral, right? We are pro-life and pro-marriage and all this. And we're going to hang together, right? And we're going to save this country through our righteousness. Or maybe we are the progressive self-righteous. We're going to say, you know what? I think we need to, I think we need a new love, right? We, we, we need to redefine all that we have saw before. We need to redefine marriage. We need to redefine gender. We need to redefine sexuality. You know what? That's love. That's tolerance, right? And you have a little self-righteous click. And I see it so much when you just look at the radio. It's just ridiculous. Everybody wants to hate Trump. And Trump is the most ratchet man in America right now, if you let us tell you. And I was listening to a radio host, and she was just like, Trump calls himself a Christian. He calls himself a Christian. But yet, and she goes through the list of everything that Trump did. And then she turns around and goes, now I know I'm not perfect, but I'm not Trump. That's the height of self-righteousness when you say, thank God I'm not a sinner like him. There's only two types of people, the same and the lost. Which one are you? Are you trying to earn your way into God's kingdom? Are you walking this earth with your sedity nose in the air, thinking you all that? Man, are you Zacchaeus, the one who realized he was wretched, the one who realized he was lost, the one who realized like he needed Jesus? And then they go to, the, to Zacchaeus' house. And Zacchaeus just started to, what he says, uh, let me see. Oh, he says, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Now, you may sound like it was work, right? Now he's like, hey, Jesus, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. No, that's, that's not what this is. You see, when you are repenting, when you repent, when you are ready to stop living in rebellion, right, you turn from evil and you turn to good. That's what he was saying. He was saying, look, I live my life worshiping money and hating my neighbors. I no longer want to love money. I want to love you, and I want to love my neighbors. And so, man, I really ripped them off. So, you know what? I want to repay them all that I owe plus of, and, and, and I want to care for the poor. I want to now care for the poor. 
this is crazy. This dude, this wretched dude, at that moment became righteous, and it wasn't because of his righteousness, it was because of Christ. He was lost, but now he's found. And oh man, when that bro went out the house, you know, you know a lot of people were going to hate on him. Uh, that's the key, right? You know, you get attacked more from when you go from like me, I went from adulterer, that was like my sin major, right? I was a womanizer, I was just horrible. And I was so self-righteous, because I would just do all types of things and go, at least I take care of my kids, mm. right? And if a dude didn't take care of his kids or pay child support, I was like, man, you bum. But I was so dirty, but that was my righteousness. And I had homies going, yup, you a good one, man. You a good one. <laughs> But then when I came to Christ, so many, it was a lot of people going, you'll be back. Uh, he's just going through something right now. He'll be back. Right? Or they, or they wouldn't let me forget who I used to be. But man, but God's grace and his love, he has preserved me and allowed me to persevere. It's not me, it's him. The reason why I stand in front of you today preaching his good news it's because all this is Jesus. And so family, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And in that house that day was a wonderful party because the scripture says that when one sinner, one sinner repent, it's a celebration in the heavens. I mean, there's this passage of scripture, Luke 15, where the same Pharisees were just like, look, this Jesus received sinners. And Jesus gave him a three-piece. He first jabbed him with, like, he just hit him with these stories about God and how God saves, he seeks the lost. And when he finds them, he rejoices. Like, bah, bah, bah. And then he hit him with the prodigal son story at the end. And every one of those parables, every one of those stories, it was something was lost. God sought after it. He found it, and he rejoiced. Hallelujah. And so if heaven rejoices every time one sinner repents, I'm telling you, all throughout the world, God is seeking the lost, and he is saving. So that means it must be one great party in heaven. And if you hate God, that is not the place you want to be. <laughs> Praise the Lord, right? Is that good news? Right? You mad at me for just calling you wretched for like 20 minutes? <laughs> But I did it because I want you to see how jacked up we are, but how wonderful and fantastic God is Amen. to raise our view of Jesus. And so I'm going to end it with this. If you are still stuck on self-righteousness, you're still kind of like, whatever, dude. I ain't hearing nothing you have to say. I just simply ask you to please, with some consideration, Consider the things that I brought to you today. Because the last thing you want to do is have to face God with your righteousness. If you are convicted of your sin, maybe right now, maybe you just a key is where you, you feel the weight of your sin, the conviction, you, 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 you recognize your, your ruin, you, you, you just feel it is heavy on you. Let it, it's time for you to let it go. Matthew 26, 36, 40 says, oh, oh, that's not what it is. 
It says, come to me, this is Matthew 11, 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you just got that burden, come to Jesus. Give it to him. He would take it. He took it. There's no need for you to be feeling that guilt anymore. Repent and believe the good news. And to my saints, those of you are found. I love this, Piper, this, this quote by John Piper. It says, Christ has passed on the church's mission to seek and save the lost. As long as the age lasts, our charge from Jesus is to tell of his salvation with our lips, our lips, and show his love with our lives, our lives, so that people from every tongue and tribe and nation will be saved by faith and give him glory for his mercy. Amen. And I encourage you, as we are laboring here, right, I want you to go home and think about who is Jesus to make right, to make sure that you are presenting to our community the real Jesus. That when you speak of him, that you are speaking of him rightly and highly. Amen. And do it with joy. Model the character of our Father. And the next time we have a baptism where someone comes up to the front and they're confessing now that they're rolling with God, I want it to be the biggest celebration in our church. Amen. Amen. Dear gracious Father, Lord God, we thank you so much, Lord, for you, our Savior, that you pursued us. As soon as Adam and Eve sinned against you, you pursued them, and you gave them hope. And Lord, I pray that as we leave here today, Lord, that we would just, uh, just be in awe at the fact of your love for us, your sacrifice for us. Lord, let us be reminded that you desire for us to not to be lost. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that all will find you and make you their treasure. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, at this time we're about to have offering. We're going to continue our worship with